Fuel is the official podcast of the 434th Air Refueling Wing. Join us for airman connections, leadership insights, mentorship, and happenings mixed with some fun and humor. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any person or business is ever intended. Welcome to the Fuel Podcast. I'm Chief Nathan Parks. I'm the Command Chief here at Grissom Air Reserve Wing in uh, uh, Indiana. And this is episode five is what I believe we're at. Uh, As always with me in here is uh, Sergeant Weaver and Sergeant Blocker is also in here. So uh, the dream Weaver is making making things happen behind uh, the computer. Uh, today we we've, we've got uh, another what I think would be interesting episode for you. We're going to talk with our very own Colonel Doc Bray. Uh, he is our flight surgeon here. He's also uh, does he he's one of our resident experts when it comes to COVID is in COVID vaccinations. And so we're going to try to answer some of those questions. If you're one of those individuals that uh, have some have some questions about the vaccination, or maybe you have individuals that work with you or for you that that have questions. We're hoping that we will answer some of those questions today. We're also going to get into a conversation uh, and and, uh, talk a little bit about uh, Corporal Sanchez. As many of you know, there will be a a dignified transfer taking place here at Grissom. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how that's affected us and and how you can get involved with that. So uh, coming up, we are September UTA of 2021. Man, that seems hard to believe. It's it. This year has went by fast, and as much as uh, you know, uh, 2020 was a kick in the pants. It seems like 2021 is. Uh, it's like two or three of them, and so it, we are unfortunately back in HP Con Charlie. Our numbers have went up here uh, with COVID. Last month was our highest month besides December of 2020. We had 40 cases on base of COVID uh, last month, and so we we went into that HP Con Charlie. Uh, there's some new restrictions as far as the fitness center and the DFAC is takeout only. Uh, but uh, also, let's make sure everyone, you bring a mask and we're wearing a mask. And don't don't slough that risk responsibility onto someone else. We're all required to wear a mask. You know, that's your responsibility. Uh, don't don't put that on someone else to to tell you to wear your mask. So let's put it on. Let's all have a good attitude. Let's not let that stop us from what we need to get done this weekend. Uh, speaking of this weekend, we're also going to have a town hall. Colonel Pemberton's going to get up there and he's going to answer all your questions that you may have about the COVID vaccination that that he can. Um, he is uh, doing a, working very hard to make sure that you are comfortable with this uh, SecDef um, mandate that that came down for the the vaccination, and we are we are charging hard to to. Ensure, ensure that uh, Grissom is is following all the guidelines that have been set, as well as answer your questions to that. Um, there will also be a 20-year 9-11 um, ceremony. Um, so uh, with the, the town hall and the ceremony, as well as the um, dignified transfer, then let's check your, your email. You should have all of that information in there. And your supervisor should be well aware on, on how you participate with each one of those. Uh, if you're interested in getting your vaccination, there's a COVID pod on Friday and Saturday. And so you can get that uh, vaccination then. Uh, 
But let's jump right into it. Our first guest is going to be uh, from our very own 434th AMDS, Colonel Doc Bray. Here with us today is Doc Bray. Uh, Doc is our resident flight surgeon here uh, at Grissom AGR. And so, Doc, welcome to the Fuel Podcast. Morning, Chief. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, today we're going to hit that uh, ever popular topic that I'm sure you've, you've talked about a lot about it is COVID and the vaccine. Daily. Yeah. So uh, I know that same here. So. Um, but but first, let's let's talk about a little bit about uh, we'd like to get to know people while they're on here. So uh, where are you from? Well, Indiana native my whole life, with the exception of some active duty Air Force time. Yeah. But I've uh, been back in Indiana for you know, 16 years now or so. So Indiana native, where did you where did you kind of oh, grow uh, up? Which uh, area? Southern Indiana's home, a little town called Jasonville, and most people won't know where that's at. But Jasonville. Never heard of or been to Shackamack State Park. Okay. <laughs> that is that is home. And yeah. uh, presently, Lafayette, Indiana is where I call home. All right. What about uh, are you married kids? So uh, happily married, uh, five adult kids, uh, as our first sergeant says, out of the house, but not all of them are out of the pocket yet. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's we're working right. on that. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Out of the house, but not out of the pocket. So did, did they stay in Indiana? Did they follow your uh, guys' lead? Or? No, they all they all remain in Indiana yeah. and all doing their thing. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, what do you like to do around here? Like what keeps you in Indiana? Oh, uh, well, I think Indiana is a great state to live in. Uh, yeah. I've been around the world and lived in other places for at least a time there. Uh, I think it's a great, great state, great cost of living, good people, Yeah, things I like. So, And what do you, you got any hobbies around here that, that you do or? Oh, you could say uh, maybe fixing up old houses. I've done a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> get rebarked on another one here in the near future. And then uh, old cars. I like old cars. So I've got a few of those myself. Yeah. So. Yeah, what do you got? I got an old uh, Mustang that belonged to my dad. Yeah, what uh, year? 66 convertible. Okay, that's a good year. Uh, my wife, uh, we just got her an 82 Corvette because she used to have one. Oh, nice. Youth, so she's got that. Yeah. And I inherited my grandpa's old uh, 1940 Packard. Yeah. That is hasn't run in probably 40 years, so. All metal, though, right? All metal. And then you said there was a, it was in like a barn or a storm with... You remember that? So yeah. uh, there was a, it was a, a barn in south, the south of Lafayette. Literally, a, a tornado came through and the barn collapsed on the car. When they pulled all the wood away, it was still intact. So. Yeah, it's a metal car. <laughs> like, yeah, that's an old school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that thing survived even a tornado. You know, yeah. that's that's good. That's why those things are still. I I doubt that there'll be cars that are current that last as long as those cars. No, have. they'll outlast everything. You know, <laughs> my truck is like almost all aluminum yeah. or something like that. So, yeah. Uh, so you said you you. You took a brief, brief stint where you left here and went as, when did you, where, where'd you go to college? Let's start with that. Oh yeah. I uh, graduated Purdue, an engineering degree. Okay. And then, uh, following that IU medical school. Yeah. Did residency in family medicine in Muncie, Indiana. So up until that point, I was all Indiana bred and educated. And then uh, I had an ROTC scholarship from Purdue. So the active duty Air Force awaited patiently <laughs> for that. And then uh, had a tour of duty uh, at Tyndall in Panama City which I loved. And then yeah. equally so went to Germany for two years, which I also loved. So yeah. Where in Germany? Uh, Spangdahl Air Base. Okay. Yeah. That's Still there for now. I yeah. Hear. The mighty A-10s <laughs> out there. So yeah, that's awesome. And then, then back here. And so where the whole time, were you a flight surgeon the whole time? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. My whole, uh, ever since uh, residency training, that was my first active duty assignment and yeah. been active duty guard or reserve ever since. So you, you came back to Indiana with the guard, did you? So I came back here at Grissom for about nine years um, uh, due to promotion and the lack of that grade at 
Grissom. I went to the guard for five years and then mm -hmm. this position opened up here a little over a year ago. So yeah. I jumped at the opportunity to come back. Awesome. Well, we're, we're happy to have you here. And so what, what's your official title here at Grissom? So uh, a full-time provider, you might say, but uh, chief of aerospace medicine is what I'm assigned to. So Okay. And so it, you've, you've got the, uh, being an AGR and you're out here all the time, you're, you're kind of on the, the short leash of Colonel Pemberton's got questions about COVID and stuff like you're the resident expert. Everything, yep. Yeah. And so, also had it as the public health emergency officer. So yeah. lo and behold, we're in the middle of a pandemic when... I arrived here, so yeah, it's been something every day. It was it was interesting. I saw a um, a video the other day where a guy uh, was playing a prank, and he was on a college campus, and he I went up to a guy and said, "Hey, what's up with all these masks?" Like, and the guy goes, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Are they painting around here? I just got in trouble <laughs> for wearing a mask. They gave me a mask. Like, what's up with this?" And he's like, "Have you lived under a rock for the last year?" And he goes, "Well, I was actually in a coma. I just came out. Uh, you know, been in a coma for about a year and a half, and." Guys, like, well, we're in a pandemic, and they, and it was, it was interesting because you think about this. Two years ago, if you said a pandemic, most people outside of the medical field would be like, "What are you talking about? What's that? Yeah, <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about?" And that's this guy plays it out. It's great because it's like it's how quickly we get used to just what we're in, right. you know, and, and this is normal language, and how quickly with the internet and stuff, we all become experts, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, it's, I, I know what's going on because I, I read this or, or whatnot. So hopefully today we're going to go through some of those questions and, and, and answer them to where, um, you know, we are going to ask those questions to the expert. And, and so I'm not going to, uh, uh, I'm going to try to give you the questions I would think people would ask that are maybe sitting out there that, that uh, haven't got the vaccination and, and they're, they're looking at, uh, why they should or, or uh, a reason why or, or going down this path. So that's, that's where these direction, these questions are headed and, uh, and hopefully we'll clear some of Great. this up. Yeah, let's get so, to it. Yeah. So uh, I think the first question and, and why I hear this a lot when I walk around and, and everything is, hey, uh, COVID has about a 98% survivability rate. So you had about 2% chance of dying if you contact COVID. So why are we getting this vaccine? Sure, that's an excellent question to start with. So, and I'll even uh, up that a little bit by saying among DOD personnel, especially active duty, the survival is probably a lot higher, 99% oh, yeah. or greater. So again, it's a valid question. Uh, the vaccine is not just about protecting your personal health, it's about readiness and force health protection. So mm -hmm. um, part of the decision I think that went into this at the highest levels was that if you're gonna be in a deployed environment and half the folks are unvaccinated and that that particular disease that's vaccine preventable rips through the camp, then uh, you've got a mission breakdown on your hands. So I think by uh, everyone being vaccinated, we can, uh, just like we have the ability to survive and operate in all kinds of environments, this is no different. And we'll be able to uh, carry out the mission in the deployed setting. And oh, by the way, I think it's a good idea anyway to protect your health, so. Right, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, this is not something just that uh, uh, the AMDS came up with, right? That we're mandating oh, it just no. here at Chris, right? <laughs> so, so this is all based off of the SECDEF. I'll, I'll remind folks we're in a worldwide pandemic and hundreds of millions of doses of this has been given. So this, you're right. This was not something dreamed up by the Department of Defense. That's for sure. Right. Okay. Um, you feel com pretty comfortable giving this vaccine as a doctor? Absolutely. And I'll, be, I'll admit, you know, out of the gate. I had a healthy amount of, I would say, intellectual skepticism, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. let's face it, kind of people describe newer technology and so forth. Yeah. But if you look back, the technology behind this vaccine was worked on for years. And uh, 
thank God we had uh, uh, volunteers willing to step up and, and go through clinical trials. Uh, I, I'm, I'm confident that uh, we didn't skip any steps. It wasn't rushed. You can use the word accelerated. Yeah. Uh, I think you could say the government gave a blank check to people who know how to make these and, and they, they did it quickly for sure. But uh, now with the hundreds of millions of doses in our rearview mirror and the data we've collected ever since, I am 100% confident in this vaccine. Okay. But it, it, that's not to say that there's not um, some types of side effects. Or Absolutely. Like any vaccine, you know, yeah. we, we, we counsel people with vaccine information sheets and as much information as we can, possible side effects. Uh, they vary among different vaccines, but you can often expect things like, you know, maybe fever, chills, headaches, soreness at the injection site. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, with this vaccine, there seem to, seems to be a higher degree of those kind of things. But as far as long-term complications, those really haven't been seen yet. Yeah. So, are you seeing any aggressive? Like, what are the what are the if I've not been vaccinated and I'm going to to get the vaccine, what can I expect? Sure. Uh, well, like I said, any of the uh, things we just mentioned immediately or shortly after. Right. But as far as long-term consequences, we're not aware of any any case so far that has resulted in any kind of line of duty issue or the need for medcon orders. Um, tragically, we have some Grissom personnel who are unvaccinated who are suffering right now, and yeah. uh, we can leave it at that. So, yeah. Uh, so, it, if this does take place, if uh, if we go get a vaccine, and, and say thirty years from now, uh, they're like, "Hey, you know, you your hair all turned white, and that's because of the you got the the Pfizer vaccine." And so, you know, uh, is this? Something that, I mean, are, are we going to cover this? Yeah. Or is it well, so 30 years from now, you know, if someone's no longer in the military, that right. the, the VA has always had a process in place for things that happened to you as a result of service. So presumably you're in a status, we hope, when you got the vaccine. You don't have to be. You can get a vaccine anywhere and not be in status. But if you're in a military status and it happened as a result of service, there's there's always been those procedures in place. Yeah. And what about if, uh, if I come over because what vaccines do you have here? At? So presently we have the Moderna and the Johnson and Johnson, also known as the Janssen. So there's two different companies that just happen to sound alike, but mm -hmm. we have Moderna and Janssen. Presently we're going to acquire Pfizer for the mandate that's in place now. And, and you're looking at probably October timeframe when that will be correct. Here. So around one October, we will start mandating it initially for personnel, Per, full-time personnel who are on base and then on the October UTA will start the process. So if someone comes over there and they say, hey, I, I only want the uh, the FDA approved because there's only one, correct, that's FDA approved at this point? Right, right. So all, all three vaccines are going to count. Um, if you want the fully vetted one, that is the Pfizer. So you can uh, participate in any of the number of pods we're going to be offering. And I can explain that in detail if needed. But uh, basically, they will all count. And up until the time you're mandated to stand in the line, if you're mandated to stand in the line, we more or less have to give you the Pfizer because that's the one that's fully approved and that's the one we can only give under a mandate. But up until that time, and even after, they will all count. But if, but if I, I come over there and I say, hey, I just, I want this done. I'm a, a forgetful individual and, and you know, whatnot. I just want the, the Janssen or the Johnson Johnson shot. Um, will I still be covered? Like, Medical wise, like absolutely, uh, you know. yeah. If, if and that's why we encourage you to be in a military status when you say covered, a military status, and something that happens as a result of being in the status is eligible to be covered later. Let's okay. put it that way. 
What about exemptions? You know, we hear a lot about that. Like, are there going to be medical exemptions? Sure. Yeah. So we have religious and medical exemptions. I'll leave the religious exemptions to the chaplains, but only say that if you're in that process, if your commander has submitted a religious exemption on your behalf, then we can temp exempt you in the system until that exemption is vetted and Mm -hmm. decided upon. On the medical exemption side, just like anything else, you know, medical, uh, we would expect your doctor to fill out. We call it an attachment seven only because it comes from a, a TIG guide that we use. And that's the only title on it. <laughs> we don't have another name for it. But it's essentially a PCM letter that your doctor fills out. We can provide you a blank copy. But like any other condition, uh, I mean, you can use asthma, diabetes as examples. You now have a medical condition that precludes you from getting vaccinated. So we can... Uh, either temp or long-term exempt you from the vaccine. But if it's a long-term exemption, that diagnosis is going to be applied to your fitness for duty, just like anything else. And we will more or less have to put a package up to the AFRC command surgeon that says, can you be retained or not? Right. So this is no different than any other correct vaccine or any other medical exemption you were going to have. In a situation like this, you now presented to us a medical condition that will keep you from deploying. Okay. And if it's a forever inability to deploy, it has to be vetted through the system. Okay. What about if um, uh, if someone's like, "Hey, you know, I, I want to get the vaccine, but um, you know, uh, we're it's a female. Like, I'm trying to get pregnant. I, I want to have a family here. What do you What do you recommend? So we can deal with, with pregnancy, and we can deal with everyone else. I think for the most part. So pregnancy, it is actually advised, and you'll look at guidelines from the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Uh, they have said this is absolutely recommended. Um, so your, your obstetrician should be telling you that if that's the case, um, if there's something else going on that you need to be exempted from it during pregnancy, that's up to you and your doctor. But again, that's a temporary issue. So we'd put a, a temporary, uh, exemption in when the pregnancy is over, you'd be eligible for the vaccine at that point, planning to get pregnant. It's, it's no different. Um, just like, but I would encourage anyone planning to get pregnant to talk to your doctor about what else should you be doing for that? What kind of vitamins should you be on? What what kind of health regimen should you be doing? What should you be screened for? And oh, by the way, you know, am, should I get the COVID vaccine or not? So yeah, so based off of here, Grissom, right? Because that's that's you know, we we want to answer the questions for the, the the airmen at Grissom. Based off of Grissom, we don't do medical. Uh, what is it? We don't do medical care here, right? And Correct. So so this all starts with someone seeing their primary care physician. Absolutely. If they feel like they may have an exemption, if they, they're pregnant, if they're, you know, thinking about getting pregnant, all that stuff, then that that's where they go to their primary care physician. Absolutely. And say, hey. Put yourself in your doctor's hands. Uh, we, you know, bring us that information. We, we, we deal with it on a fitness for duty level. And, and that form seven is the way you do it. And I think it's faxed then, which the, I think the oh, medical you can deliver it, fax it yeah. in, your doctor can send it. Medical community, only people still using fax machines, right. which is, <laughs> this is crazy. But uh, what about if you have a, uh, you know, I've heard of people saying, well, I, I don't know that I'll get it because I have a, I have allergic reactions to vaccines. Sure. So blanket allergies, there, there's no real blanket allergy to all vaccines. Every vaccine has a different technology, a different way of manufacturing different components in terms of possible preservatives and things like that. So one vaccine allergy may or may not apply to another vaccine allergy. So once again, that's a discussion with your physician, but uh, you know, something like an egg allergy might restrict you from the flu vaccine, but eggs aren't used in the manufacture of any of the COVID vaccines, for example. So yeah. it really is case by case. And, and once again, that would be 
quite possibly a permanent exemption from the vaccine, which would, you know, mandate that we send that up to the command surgeon for review. Right. Which, yeah, it, it's all, everything's a process, right? And uh, this one is, is no different. Right. How, for, for all these things, we've had processes in place for years that are, are set up to address these very questions. Yeah. yeah no matter what it is. Uh, I, I'm also amazed that uh, there's eggs used in the flu vaccine, which again, that, maybe that's <laughs> that just technology my, may so have, may have gone by the wayside. Uh, I did. You did know that, yeah. You just don't learn, try to act smart. They all approximately fifteen to twenty seconds. Ago. Okay. And, and, I, and I don't think they all do that. And yeah. it, it, I could be citing old technology yeah. there as well. So I've never got the flu vaccine and be like, man, you know what? I'm not hungry anymore. So, uh, how safe do you think this shot is? Like you, I now that we have so much data in our rearview mirror and in the past, and, and trust me, they're looking at every aspect of this, and there's so much post post-marketing, post-implementation things being collected on people who have medical problems and did you or did you not get the COVID vaccine and they assimilate that data and they look at it. I feel completely safe in this vaccine. So even with the the noise, I, I like to call it the noise, I call it the noise a lot, right? The noise that is social media, the noise that is the internet, the noise that where most of us get our news, even with all of the noise, you still feel comfortable with this? I do, I do. Uh, you gotta look at validated uh, research got to go to trusted sources. I mean, I, I'm a believer in the CDC. I'm a believer in, you know, professional colleges, you know, the, the, the Society of Immunology and Infectious Disease and things like that. Uh, places, organizations like that. Um, that's where you need to be getting trusted information from. And again, at the end of the day, talk to your doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, can, can someone do that research, right? And, and so maybe they say, hey, there's, I've heard some people say hey, there's a certain protein that something or another in this vaccine and there's a certain this in this vaccine and, the, and whatnot. So if someone comes in and they're like, hey, I, I just want this shot. Um, say they do that and, and, and the way that, that, that Colonel Pemberton has set it down based off the SecDef's uh, charge to us, uh, to enforce this and everything is like, hey, if you're unvaccinated, the October and the November UTAs will be mandatory. So you will get shot one on October, you'll get shot two in November. And that again, if you're unvaccinated, those UTAs are mandatory for you to be here. Um, so say someone comes in in, in October and they go, you know, hey, I'm here to get my shot, but I, I want the Janssen one. Can they do that? Um if it's not part of a mandatory line, yes. So again, once your your number's called upon to go stand in line and we will probably do something like set up our pod, which is a point of dispensing, you know, where we're just giving one vaccine repeatedly. Mm -hmm. um, and if we stand up, say the EOC, and we're releasing units one at a time to come over and get in line, much like we do with the flu shot, right? right. So uh, if, if you're to that point where you're mandated to come stand in line, it's gonna be Pfizer. That's just it. So, um, but if there's other opportunities to get one of the others, we'll, we'll set up pods at various times between now and then. Absolutely. If you don't get it then, but you run out and get one of the other ones afterwards, it counts. So, so you can choose up until the point where you're in that line. Correct. Once you're in that line, we're going Pfizer. It's Pfizer. Yeah. Unless something in between now and October happens and the other two get 
you know, uh, that's possible too. In which yeah. case there'll probably be some very, yeah. uh, very urgent messaging, if you will. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. One of the, one of the things that we've learned with 2020 is never guess what the future holds. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 2020 taught us that very well. So, uh, so obviously now, you know, this is mandatory for military members. And so it's, it's not a choice, you know, it, it's right. mandatory for military members at this point. Well, what about those that are you know, trying to figure out whether they want to get their family vaccinated or whether, um, you know, a spouse is listening and, and should, well, should I get the vaccine? What, what advice would you have for them? Sure. Well, I think just in general, when the member serves, the family serves too, right? So if the family's healthy and protected and ready, then that makes the member more so. If Even if the member's vaccinated and the family's not, if the family's ill, becomes ill with COVID, let's say, that's preventable, you know, mm -hmm. by vaccination, then that puts the service member at risk, at least maybe temporarily, if nothing else, for, for their service or vice versa. The family's vaccinated, but the member isn't, you know, there's yeah. there's issues there. So I, I would encourage I would encourage anybody who the vaccine's indicated for and available to get it for sure. Do you uh Looking at looking at everything, you know, we'll shift gears here and I want to come back because I got a, a couple more questions I want to ask about the vaccine. But I want to shift gears a little bit here with because we're talking about families and, uh, you know, and, and kind of the being on base and stuff like that. And knowing that the HP con that we're at right now, Charlie, do you feel like we are doing what is appropriate um, to keep people safe here? Well, I do. So we we look at data every day and are most concerned with the local and state level picture. Mm -hmm. And we track cases per 100,000 and we have a case tracker on base that tells us at any given time who's positive, when they were positive, what their status is. Uh, we, we, and that's above and beyond what the DOD and Reserve Command and the CDC are putting out. So we assimilate that data near constantly and we track it and we've, been very deliberate, I'll use that term, in changing HBCon levels and looking at it when it's necessary and it's the best interest of protecting our base population. We've done that. Yeah, I, I'd said in those meetings and and I, I get to to watch how Colonel Pemberton goes about making these decisions, right? And it's interesting is a lot of times I'm walking around, you, you hear the criticisms of, well, we should be doing this or we should be doing that or we should be, and I, I just, I want people to rest assured that, hey, we're taking every consideration Oh, you know, absolutely. And the, and the, uh, the pandemic of 2021 is different than the pandemic of 2020. Yeah. So, and one of the game changers is in fact the vaccine, right? So what we did in the spring and summer of 2020 isn't, isn't some of those things aren't as necessary or we alter some of those actions and, and the guidance has changed too, as a result. So for, if, for folks who are truly concerned about, let's say being here, I certainly highly recommend the vaccine is, is step one. In their, in, their, in their protection, yeah. Do you think, the, and this is kind of looking into the future, do you think we're able to take more risk if everyone's vac vaccinated? Oh, absolutely, a across the board. I mean, I think I think at some point we'll be, uh, my hope is, <laughs> we'll be allowed to get out of these masks for one thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, our, our, we won't be uh, roaming as much when we deploy. You know, if everyone's vaccinated, you, you get on the plane, you go downrange and you do your job. Yeah. And you come home, you get to go see your family right away, and, and all those things will will be will be we'll, we'll have more of a sense of normalcy. Um, how do they schedule a vaccine here at Grissom? Good question. So, um, as far as the October November 
anticipated, you know, mandatory participation will stand up an EOC and people will just be directed over to come get it. Um, until then, we have pod times. And the reason we have to set up times and get a certain number of folks to participate is that once we open these vials, if we don't use all the vaccine in a certain amount of time that's in that vial, we have to waste it. And just ethically and morally, we just can't be wasting vaccine right now. Uh, we're doing our best not to. So some vac some vials have 10 doses, some vials have five. So whatever vaccine we're scheduling people for, we wanna make sure we got a certain number of folks that participate. So we've set up times and dates that, that make the most sense. Uh, that information comes out on the comm focal point and uh, should be readily available. There's a, there's a scheduling tool, but worst case, call the clinic and, yeah. and ask. So I, I went through that scheduling tool this this morning to see, you know, so we have uh, slot, slots available on Friday and Saturday here. But I also uh, did exactly what you just said. And I just called up and I said, hey, I got five individuals that want to get the Janssen shot. Can we come over and get it? And they were like, yes, five is the magic number. Okay. You can. So there and you go. <laughs> I said, okay, well, what if I, I have some people that want to come get the Moderna? And he's like, well, we need 10. Yeah. Uh, so if you're going to so go gather, outside gather of that four or nine of your closest friends, that's right. That's right. I don't have nine <laughs> friends, we'll have but a uh, party. So, yeah, I'm living <laughs> on a one shot I could get down by my friends. I knew that that would always come back to bite me. So uh, maybe colleagues, we could go with colleagues, maybe. but um, yeah, so it, it, it's, it, I, I believe that they've been charged and as well as you guys are doing a good job of making it uh, very available and very easy to do we're, those we're things. Kind of flexible with the variables we've been given. And that is, you know, the number of people available, the number of people who yeah. to date have wanted it. Yeah. Um, what we have on hand, the number of doses available in a vial, all those things, how long in, in case of the frozen one, we have to fall at a certain amount of time. Right. So, you know, and then we have to, again, use it in a certain amount of time. So there's so many variables we're tracking that it's kind of, painted us into this, you know, it's not a bad situation. Just here's the availability times and dates and numbers we can do and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so the vaccine's free. Everywhere. Everywhere. Including here. Yeah. So um, if you go to CVS, you go to Walmart, you go to wherever the VA and you get your vaccine, how did that, how do we make it count here? Yeah. So you bring in your vaccine card. So there's a standardized card and, and preferably, you know, accompanying that the actual vaccine record, you know, every, everywhere giving this should, should have also a record of some mm -hmm. kind. If you go to Walgreens pharmacy that trust me, it's part of their dispensing record. So that's just further validation, but uh, regardless, bring us, bring us the card. We'll get it in ASIMS sooner than later, because we don't want to stick you in the line uh to get the pfizer shot if you've already had one of the others including yeah. pfizer so let us know we'll get it updated it it turns green right away and you're good to go yeah i had a, a member the other day we were talking and and they were a little bit concerned about the long term whether va would cover it if they got the uh you know moderna or johnson and johnson right now because you know it's not fda approved and and i said well one way you can solve that is just go to the va and get your shot because <laughs> they give it to yeah. you, then they're going to they're yeah, going to cover yeah. you. They <laughs> well, no one part has, of your record and yeah, right, and right, you've got it there. Like, hey, I got it here. Like, uh, well, you, and, and there's service connection, and I'm maybe out of my lane, but there's also VA connection right. that the VA does. Yeah, and, yeah. So you bet. Yeah. Um, anything else that that uh, that you want to cover that you think is important for people to know? Yeah, you know, like parting just, uh, shot. I just uh, you know we are in the middle of another uh, wave. There's a new variant, and yeah. if, if you haven't heard about the Delta variant, you need to watch the news a little more. But uh, yeah, but certainly it's a little more transmissible, a little more lethal. 
Uh, it's probably counting for the vast majority of cases. And and, and the numbers in the uh, in the hospitals, in the uh, ICUs, the percentage of vaccinated versus unvaccinated is clear. You're talking about 95% or greater of folks in the ICUs that just weren't vaccinated. So yeah. that number kind of speaks for itself. I would really encourage everyone to take advantage of this. And, and we're going to have to, right? But yeah. um but uh, I, we are available uh, all the time. I'm here full time. So you can come in and talk to me at length about the vaccine and any concerns you have, and I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your staff. And, and I just want to give one kind of uh, parting shot on this is we're here to answer as many questions as possible to, to get people as comfortable um, as they can be, as long as they're willing to listen to the answers. I will also say that uh, here, and, and we're going to say it numerous times, but uh, your medical staff is not the people that we need to, to talk to about uh, why we think this is political or why we think that it's anything else. That if, if, it's, if we're in line to get that shot, then, then the only thing we need to say is thank you to that staff. And, and that's not the time to, to air our grievances. Right. And understand uh, we, we give all vaccines and all IMR requirements at the request of your commander. So yeah. your, your chain of command is who to address with those concerns, yeah. correct? Well, I appreciate you being here. Last thing I want to talk about is uh, what are you loving? So, you know, on here, we kind of we kind of part with a uh, try to leave on a good note. And so uh, what are you loving right now in your uh, life? You know, I'll be honest, I'm not I'm not I'm not pandering or catering here. I love being back at Grissom. You know, yeah. I was here for nine years and the opportunity to come back here and be a part of it again. I love being full time. I love being a flight doc. Um, so uh here we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate you having me today. Yeah, for sure. I, I will tell you, uh, I'm loving that it's football season. And so I know that uh, you hit the Purdue game, right? right? With, uh, so 53,000 of my close friends. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that is, uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm a little upset that uh, we did not look at this would be opening NFL weekend. Uh, I'm glad, you know, last weekend with the college football would have sucked to have been at the UTA for that, but uh, also looking at this is the opening weekend. So we're going to do some better planning next year uh, for that or have an alternate that's all Saturdays or something. But um, I appreciate you being here. I, lo I love college football. I'd love to, to maybe make it out to a game with you sometime. And, and thank you for your honesty and, um, and hopefully, you know, together with uh, being educated and, and going forward that we can all uh, get through this time and, and end up on the other side where we're sitting there talking about, hey, remember that pandemic we went through? And people are like, what's a pandemic? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I appreciate yeah, you, Doc. You bet. You bet, Chief. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great day. I wanted to sit down and talk about another uh, subject and something that's going to take place this weekend. So this weekend, our members are going to have uh, there will be a mandatory formation and, and that formation is going to require you to, to stand along the road and, um, and salute as, as one of our, our fellow soldiers, a Marine, Corporal uh, Humberto Sanchez uh, passes by. Um, Corporal Sanchez was uh, a 2017 graduate of Logansport High School. Uh, he excelled in academics and athletics uh, he was known as Bert. He was in well-liked uh, soccer teammates, his classmates, his coaches, his teachers. Um, after he graduated high school there in Logansport, just like many of us did, he raised that right hand and, and took an oath. And he enlisted in the Marine Corps. He was assigned to the 2nd Battalion, 1st Marine Regiment, 
1st Marine Division, Marine Expeditionary Force, Camp Pendleton, California. He was then called to serve, as many of us have been called, to serve as an embassy guard uh, in Jordan before being reassigned to Kabul Airport, where he passed away on August 26th of 2021. He was 22 years old. Recently, with these the tragic events of losing 13 soldiers, and we've also lost soldiers since then, uh, we started realizing how uh, these events affect each of us differently. And so we're going to have a conversation. I brought in uh, Captain Campbell from uh, the the chapel staff here at Grissom, as well as we're, we're giving Sergeant Weaver a mic. And so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Corporal Sanchez and, and how his passing um, has affected us all. Sometimes when we are trying to process an event like with uh, Corporal Sanchez's passing is we, we don't know what to do. And so we try to make some kind of sense of it. And, and I remember um, when I watched a, a dignified transfer and a member I was serving with uh, passed away when I was in Afghanistan is I, I sat and I wrote down some words just to try to make sense of what was in my head and what I was feeling. And so Sergeant Weaver, you've wrote down some words. And so uh, I'd like for you to share with us those words that, that you've written to try to make sense of this. Yeah. So um, I, I wrote this last Wednesday um, just because I've, you know, I've been, I've been struggling with this, you know, I'm I'm not an emotional person, but you know, honestly, the last uh, last Wednesday, I just uh, you know broke down and I sat in my yard, stared at blades of grass, and and cried. And uh, I didn't. Uh, I guess I I just didn't know any other way to to process you know what I was feeling other than to to write something down. Um, and so, so this is what I wrote. Um, whatever your plans were this Sunday, they can wait. Sunday is the day. This moment has consumed my thoughts and emotions for the past week and will continue to forever be in my mind. Today is the day a hero returns home. Whatever your plans for Sunday are, they can wait. I can't think of a more important place to be right now than lining the roads and welcoming this hero home. A little context to this. Um, on Friday, August 27th, I was with a group of Marines who were firing grenades at our range at Grissom. I expected them to be excited because uh, who, who doesn't get excited about target practice with grenades? But instead it was uh, oddly quiet, not the Marines that I'm used to being around. There was no excitement, no F-bombs being dropped every other word, no giving me a hard time for being in the Air Force while the Marines do the real work. Instead, it was just kind of quiet. I could tell something was going on, but I didn't know what. And as I sat and listened to them slowly talk, I realized the reason for their somber tone. The night before, they had gotten a phone call saying, one of the 13 service members killed in Afghanistan was a Logansport, Indiana native. He was also a Marine. Corporal Sanchez was 22 years old. He was just starting life. And in an instant, it was taken from him. His mother, 
lost her son, his siblings lost their brother, and this country lost a hero. I've spent a lot of time over the past few days constantly thinking about this Marine and his family. I can't possibly fathom the pain they're going through. I didn't know Corporal Sanchez, and I don't know his family. But what I do know is this man raised his right hand and swore to defend this country and protect the freedoms that we as Americans don't think twice about, knowing like all other service members that defending those freedoms potentially comes at the cost of the ultimate sacrifice. That sacrifice deserves and demands your respect. This Sunday, we have the honor of welcoming Corporal Sanchez home, and we have the privilege to pay our respects as he leaves Grissom Air Reserve Base and heads home to Logansport. So whatever your plans were for Sunday, they can wait. Man, uh, Josh, I, I truly appreciate it. Uh, I don't know that I have anything to add other than, than thank you. And, and you're absolutely correct that, that plans can wait. And as excited as I was for, for NFL football, I'd, I'd gladly give it all up to make sure that we're honoring this, this hero um, and, and make sure that, that he's getting paid the right respects. So as, as we look at this and we, we look at, here's an individual that I personally – uh, never knew. I, I personally never had the pleasure of talking to him about uh, his dreams or his aspirations like I'd like to do and talk to him about why, his why on, on why he served. And uh, But I know this man is a hero and it, and it gets me emotional. Uh, and I, I'm an emotional dude anyways, but it gets me an emotional... Uh, to see someone just like me um, who, who gave his life and he, and he volunteered for this. And I know that it's hit us all differently. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with, with Chaplain Campbell. Chaplain, most people don't realize this, but what one of your jobs here is to, one of your jobs here is to, uh, to make death notifications um, to family members to, to Nexican. And so uh, you had the, 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 the job to go out to the family and to notify the family. Um, you know, at, at that moment when you hear this stuff, and there probably wasn't as much information about Corporal Sanchez at that time, but um, does it hit you in that moment or does it take a minute to settle in? Yeah, I think tragedies um, of that magnitude of that nature hit people at different times. And even the family themselves, um, whether it's Corporal Sanchez or any of the other members that we've lost over the course of this 20-year war, um, you know, I think in the moment there's a professionalism you, you want to maintain and, and keep and, and you serve the family. Um, for me, I think uh, really hit you know, in the following day, uh, especially, um, after being up all night and, you know, you wake up the next day and you kind of start to process things and, you know, for the family as well, they'll, they'll go through different stages of grief and, uh, and, and come to grips with, with what took place, what happened. Um, 
yeah, I mean, those things will stick with you for the rest of your life. And how'd it hit you? Like, like where's it hit you? You know, I think uh, being a somewhat new dad uh, myself, you know, you look at um, you look at the mom, you look at uh, the siblings, and you you try to put yourself in their shoes, but you can't. Um, and all you can do is empathize. And um, you know, I went home imagining you know, what would I do if that was one of my daughters or one of you know one of my family members, and I was notified. And I think trying your best to place yourself in that person's shoes is the most empathetic thing you can do. Not, not saying that you fully understand the grief that they're going through because you don't, um, but trying to. Sergeant Weaver, uh, you know, public affairs, right? So you, you have a, um, you, you have a role in this in, in with this dignified transfer, but on a personal level, how'd it hit you? I I don't really know where to begin as to say how it hit me, when it hit me, where it hit me. I don't have any answer to any of those questions. Um, I don't even have an answer to a question of why it hit me so hard when just like you and just like you, Chaplain, it, you didn't know him. Yeah. You don't know his family. You know them more now. Um, so why is it why does it hit you so hard? And I guess the thing for me was I started thinking, um, just like you, Chaplain, I've got kids. Corporal Sanchez was twenty two years old, which means he was still a kid. And what would you do if that was if that knock was on your door? And so I've just, it's been, it's been rough and I can't even fathom, um, you know, what, what his family's going through. I just, I just really think that it's important for us to really understand that, that, that freedom that you get to feel every day, you get to wake up, you get to, for the most part, do whatever you want. That's not free. Yeah, that that uh, we talked earlier about how excited college football and, and and the NFL and and those are freedoms that we don't even think about, right? Twice. I didn't I didn't think I didn't have to get up and think twice about um, where I was going to go to church last week, you know? And we lose sight of that sometimes, and, and these moments we just put it right in front of us. Um. Does it, does it change you at all, Captain? Like, you're, uh, how long you been in? Uh, six years. So you've been in six years. Does, does this, and even since you've been here at Grissom, you, you've had to do this a couple times, right? And, and um, been a part of some things where some tragedy has struck. Does this change it, change your dedication to the service? Does it change your, uh, your why, if you will? Well, I think like Sergeant Weaver was saying, you know, it, it really um, reminds you of of the gravity of what we do and why we do it. And you know, I think about Corporal Sanchez, and I've never met him. Obviously, I had the privilege of meeting the family, but you know, just remembering that there are people all over the world that, literally, in this case, stand in the gap yeah. um, for the sake of people 
that they've never met um, in our country, but even people around the world, um, innocent civilians that they have given their life for, uh, for the cause of freedom and for that freedom that you spoke about that we enjoy every day and hardly ever think about. Um, and it's, it's sad that it, that tragedies like this, um, are required in some ways for us to be shaken awake and to remember the freedom that we have. But boy, I hope we can honor his life and the life of the other 12 service members, um, that gave their life that day on the 26th. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, for me, it's, unfortunately I've seen a couple of these and, and, you know, been a part of a, a dignified transfer overseas and, you know, at the base there in Afghanistan. And, and, um, it is, it is just a very, bold and in your face reminder is sometimes I get this whole uh I feel like life owes me. Right? And you look at Corporal Sanchez and you're like, life owed this dude. Like like he he lived a good life. You know, that this 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 town, Logansport, is shaken by this because he was a good individual. Life owed him. And he serious relationship. Like life owed him the, the, Hey, he needs to be able to fulfill Where does this go? Does he have kids? Does he, you know, he, he, he's owed that choice. And we get this feeling sometimes like, man, I'm, I, I've lived this good life. I've served, I've done these things. Life kind of owes me tomorrow and tomorrow to be better than today. And this is one of those reminders to me, it hits me in this and life doesn't care. And we have to make the best of today because we may not be guaranteed that uh, tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, our part of our response to that tragedy um, and, and a part of the way that we honor Corporal Sanchez and the other 12 uh, that gave their lives that day uh, is to find meaning and purpose in the face of that tragedy. You know, German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche once said, he who has a why can endure anyhow. And uh, that's not an endorsement of Nietzsche by any means, but certainly some words of wisdom. And uh, I think, you know, being able to find that why uh, for each of us in the midst of tragedy um, is critical. I know for the family, you know, that, that was very centered around their faith and their family and their son and brother, uh, uh, Corporal Sanchez, uh, his love uh, for his country and all those, all those whys of why he served, why he got up every day and was the best Marine that he could be. Yeah. I often think, and, and I, uh, I, I try to be better at it. And, and listen, I've been guilty of it even here at Grissom, right? As you, you start to hear that national anthem and you're, you're outside and you're like, Ooh, I'm going to take a step inside real quick, or I'm going to, I'm going to get in my car as fast as I can, or I'm going to duck walk across this parking lot because I don't, I don't want to be out there. But it, man, it just has a different meaning. When you think about guys like Corporal Sanchez here, that he gave it all so that flag can keep, keep flying. So the national anthem keeps playing, you know, and that, that why that you talked about is knowing that Man, if you, don't, if you don't have a deep why, 
the first time you don't agree with what's going on politically, man, that starts to get questioned. If you're not here for the right why, you know, seeing those things, man, makes you, makes you question if, do I really want to give up my weekends? You know, that, that why can be shaken really quick if you're, and if you've not really thought about it. If you're just like, well, I'm really just here because I, I get my college paid for. Or, you know, I didn't really know what I was going to do, so I chose the military. There better be something deeper than that. Because I will tell you is, I'm going to let you down. Your supervisors are probably going to let you down. The people around you are going to let you down. Society is going to let you down. And it's in that moment that those whys that, that really, you know, ring true. So has it impacted your guys' why at all? I think, um, I don't know how to say that it's in, I, I would say it, it has, but it just made it stronger, I think. Um, you know, and you always get the question of why you joined the military, and quite honestly, when I came in, I didn't know. Yeah, I it did. changes. I, it, it that's, did. A, I, that's the thing I think people get most confused on. They're like, well, why I joined the military? Why I joined is totally different than you know, what it, why I'm still Stay, continuing to right. serve. Right. So, yeah. And, and I didn't know how to answer that question when I was asked it, you know, my first couple years, uh, in the air force. And now as trust me, I understand that this sounds corny and cheesy, but we were just talking about the national anthem. And the reason that I continue to stay is because of that. Uh, it's just, I can't describe it, but it's a feeling that I get when the National Anthem plays. You get goosebumps and you just understand that you are part of something so big and this huge family. And I think that that's why this has affected me in a way that I didn't expect because it's... He's family. It is. Yeah, that's what it is. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it feels that way. Yeah. Is family and it's it's you know my my brother and I are tight my cousins you know and it's like I cannot I saw some of my cousins I hadn't seen you know this weekend I saw some of my cousins I hadn't seen in a couple of years but it was instant you know instant we're back in it and, and I think it's no different if if Corporal Sanchez and I were were called upon to serve or you overseas or or wherever or if he's standing here or if he was one of the Marines that was here on this base. And you, you see him in need. I mean, you, you're right beside him. He's a brother. Yeah, you know? and I, I think that's a good way. I, I never really um, had thought about it this way, but it is like your best friend or your brother, or whatever. You, you can spend years apart. You haven't even, you know, yeah. they haven't even talked to each other, and you come together, and all of a sudden everything just clicks, and you're yeah. right back to it. And I have spent a lot of time with all other services, mm -hmm. And I, it's kind of weird that you bring that up because I've never thought about it, but it's, it's the exact same thing. You don't even know these people, and somehow you can just click with them. Yeah. Um, and I think it is because we are a big family. Obviously, we give each other a hard time, the other services, but when someone starts picking on, picking on them outside of your service, right, just right. like your brother. Yeah, that's right. Like, nope, not anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and something like this happens, man, it, it hurts us all. And it, it's, I heard for his, 
you know, the, the battalion and, and just uh, Marines and just, it, it just hurts. It, it hurts to, to see them in this. Sir, what about you? You know, I'll, I'll date myself here, but I was 11 when September 11th happened. Um, and the, in the aftermath of, you know, growing up with the war and, and kind of post 9-11, kind of in my formative years, always knew that I wanted to serve and help in some way because there was a threat to my freedom, to the freedom of people all over the world, um, from enemies all over the world. And um, I knew that other people had given their life to serve me and my country. And if I could do something to help, something to serve, I wanted to do that. And I think, you know, this, this event um, two weeks ago now was a very visceral re reminder that we're still in that fight and, uh, and we may be for a very long time. And so I think my why has stayed the same, but it's sort of been strengthened. Um, you know, I think about, and again, I'm a Christian chaplain, so I got to speak, you know, to my own faith tradition, but I think about what Jesus says to, to those that followed him. He said, it's greater to serve than to be served and greater love has none than this, that one should lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Corporal Sanchez and those other 12 service members did um, for their friends, not only in their respective services and the DOD and military in general, but for friends that they have never even met. And uh, boy, if that doesn't call you to action, if that doesn't call you to, to remember the blessings that we enjoy every single day and to try to live in such a way that honors their memory, then I don't know what does. Yeah, that's, uh, I tell you, my, I recently heard a, a podcast, and, and I, the, the guy's name is is slipping me, but um, um, he was blown up uh, by an ID, and, and he's got this book called You're Worth It. And he says when someone tells him, you know, thank you for your service, he says you're worth it. And I got to looking at it, and my, my, my why is I continue to meet people that are worth it. I continue to meet people that are worth this freedom, you know, and, and I have kids that are worth this freedom. I have a family that's worth this freedom. You know, I told my boys last night, I said, hey, we're going to, on Sunday, we're going to go to this event and, and started explaining to him what it was. And, and, and I said, as that guy, as this goes by, the flag has never looked the same to me from the first time that I saw one draped over a coffin. And unfortunately, in my life, as I've seen it, you know, draped over a coffin of someone that is very close to me, and I've got that knock on my door. But it's never been the same. And it's, it's when, I, when I see that and when, I, when we see this on Sunday, we should never be the same. Because that's one of us. That's, he's worth it for us to keep serving. His family, his, his little brothers, you know, his mom, the community, they're worth it. And I, I, remember, I remember going back um, or going over to like the, the morale tent area after the first time I'd, I saw one of these and I, and I wrote down some words and I was reflecting on those today. And um, <laughs> one of the things I, I wrote down was 
It didn't even make it on TV that a hero died today. Instead, it was full of sports, movies, and what different politicians or celebrities had to say. We don't even realize in our daily life that there's people that are putting it all on the line so that we continue to have these freedoms. Um, And so I think this weekend as we go through this, it's a time to stop and to look at why am I running from the national anthem? You know, why, why am I not wearing this uniform with the pride that I should? Why am I not, you know, maybe why, how has my why been shaken by the what that's going on around me? And, and so I would encourage us all to, to take that time. And sir, obviously, if people are, are struggling with this or, or any other one of these events, that you're a great resource. Well, thank you. And unfortunately, we've had a number of uh, tragedies that we've had to deal with as a Grissom family. And obviously this is the most recent one. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Any reminder, encouragement for people not to, to struggle alone, not to be uh, discouraged alone, yeah. uh, but to come alongside their wingmen, come alongside chaplain mental health. There's so many resources here on the base um, for our folks. So thank you for that. Thank you for both for what your guys' teams do uh, in these situations where a lot of times it's behind the scenes and, and nobody really knows. Um, uh, but each of us play a part in this. And each of us get to play a part on Sunday uh, of showing this family uh, and hopefully showing a nation that, that they're worth it uh, and that we'll continue to be here because our why is strong. So thank you both. Well, thanks again for joining us here on the Fuel Podcast. As always, we're always looking for ideas to uh, for the next podcast and, and what we could be doing. Make sure you're getting involved out there. There's a lot of things happening. I know with COVID, it, we've kind of uh, dialed things back a little bit, but you know, top three, Rising Six, First Sergeant's Association. We got we got First Sergeant applications that are due this UTA. So hey, uh, get put yourself out there, challenge yourself, get involved with these groups. And look around, you're surrounded by great people. And the thing that uh, we all share in common is that we're all here to ensure that generations to come get to experience the same great freedoms that we get to on a daily basis. So we appreciate you guys, appreciate the work that you're doing, and we'll see you.